Welcome in, welcome in, and welcome back to the newest, the newest episode of Three In, Three Out. I think the most unique Seahawks show uh, podcast, possibly recap that's out there. Brandon Schultz, my my fantastic co-host. I'm I'm Clinton Bonner, coming to you from Connecticut, all the way across this great land in Montana. You know Brandon better than you know me. Brandon Schultz is the co-host. Brandon, how you doing, man? Are you fired up to talk some Seahawks? Are you fired up to get into the buttery, the nooks, the crannies and everything already. How you be? I, I'm glad that you gave this a little more intro because yes, it's been a while. You know, this is normally the in-season show that you and I are talking after Seahawks games, and you know, kind of a midweek show to go into some of the details that other places don't normally get into with regard to the games. A little bit over a week away, Thursday night football coming up in just over a week, and then we're going to have Seahawks on Sunday and. Yes, it's it's been so weird not having preseason games to talk about, but uh, I'm actual football is going to be here any minute. It's it's coming just around the bend, and and yeah, for for anybody who has who has never partaken or partook, I'm not really sure which one that is, but if you haven't partaken yet, uh, yeah, three and three out is kind of I always called like a little a little side quill, a little, little sideshow, like you guys have your pods. Some of the my, my favorite out there. I love I love all the pods you guys put out there. You and Adam, of course. And uh, three and three out was always this look to say, okay, we watched the game together. We know what Russ did, and we know what you know. Maybe Carson fumbled over here, but we we, we always were able to dissect and look at like micro moments and plays and and real real subtle moments. And actually spend maybe four or five, six minutes on them and dissect them and kind of go back and forth with them. So yeah, a little sad that we don't have actual games and i kind of find it to be funny that even like the scrimmages are all like hush hush you know like the <laughs> corbin smith and those guys they like well you know tyler lockett looked really good i can't say anything more than that but boy oh boy was he looking like he could still run a pattern like that's amazing that it's it's so so clamped down this year but it is what it is and i thought if we can't do it the normal way, you know, it's kind of like hybrid school and like schooling. Like, hey, if we can't do it normal, we still got to do it. So let's find a new way forward. So I came up with a list of, of kind of like nine ins and outs, like maybe like over-unders, if you will, mm. that we could discuss maybe in some quick fire fashion just of, but you know, we're not going to talk about Russell. We're not going to talk too much about, you know, the most obvious folks, but in the tradition of three and three out, we're going to get, we're going to get into the underbelly and talk about some other players that maybe you haven't thought of for a little bit, but, but maybe you ought to start, you know, bringing it percolating back into the, the top of your mind because we're only a couple of you know, what, 10 days or so away from going to Atlanta and getting our first W. This is a little dangerous Clinton, because you know, going into the nooks and crannies of the Seahawks roster, these are guys who could end up being cut come Saturday. And, uh, and so if we're going over under on things, we may know by next week, what our answer is. Yeah, we might be we, we, we may fail sooner than we normally do is what it, what it boils down to, which is nice, which is nice. But if you're ready, I've got I've got the first one ready to rock and we, we could just dive right in. Oh, I'm fired up. But let's get into it. All right. So this is a name we all know. This is not exactly the, the, the deepest nook or the deepest cranny. However, we're going to be we're going to start with Uncle Will Disley. I mean, we are super excited that the dude is back. You know, two terrible injuries. We know this already. And now back from the Achilles, he looks good out there. They say they're taking the time with them. And we got, we got Olsen, of course. But the question I want to lay out there is, uh, real, real simple over-under for you. Does Will Disley get 32 or more receptions in the year 2020 for the Seattle Seahawks? 
32 and over. If yes, why yes? If no, why no? I want some logic behind your answers. Uh, yes. Well, if it uh, if it's going to be under, it's because he's getting hurt again, and which is kind of the unfortunate part of his game over these last couple of years. And the number is 35 receptions. Oh, go on. I said 32. Sorry. Oh, 32. Yeah, 32. Okay. 32. And, 32. and so I'm guessing you picked 32 because his uh, career number is 31 right now. Just eight receptions ah. in 2018. 23 and 2019. Wow. So I I did that blindly. I just did it because of John L. Williams, but sure, you know, you could, you could, you could make it sound like I did some research here. Just felt like a number that like, if he did that, then he's, then he's had a fairly, you know, he's been out there a decent amount and, and uh, you know, if you're at 32 then you're at to 50 and then you're, then you're creeping into some, some pretty good, pretty good effectiveness. So, so what do you think? Is he, is he going to, I guess, is he going to break his, his all time record? I like the John L. Williams aspect of it, too. I, I hope that you brought some of these old school player numbers to each one of these numbers as to as to why you came up with the number now. Now, now you have me uh, expecting that for each of these. Yeah, I apologize to you and the audience. Uh, you're going to be <laughs> grossly disappointed. But but, you know, again, maybe I can wing it as I go. Seems to work out. 32. I, I'd like to go over on this because I'd like to think that Will's going to stay healthy in the season. And, you know, 10 games of production. That's what we've seen from him. 10 games, 10 starts. 31 receptions. And if we're predicting a full 16 game schedule, then then I'm going to say that he's able to do that and, and hit 32, even with Greg Olson on the team. Okay. Yeah. And, and yeah, I'll, I'll weigh in here too. Like that was, that's the number in my head, but I, I'm, I've got to be, I'm an optimist by nature. And I think, I think he's going to go over this. I don't know how far over I, I'm, I'm just, I guess the, the, the conversation is how involved do you think he'll be week one, week two, week three? Do you think it's like, just get him in and pepper him in a little bit? Or do you think it's like, nope, let's rock and roll like, you know, Olsen and Disley are getting major run right out of the gate? I think it's going to be a peppering to start. This might be a number that it it comes, you know, down to the last three weeks for him to hit in a in a relatively healthy season. Just to give an idea of you know, Jacob Hollister numbers last year, for example, yeah. he had 41 receptions and that was only with three starts and 11 games. So he he was able to hit that that 40 number within 11 games and now he's the third tight end on the team essentially so and and maybe arguably below that <laughs> depending on how that depth works out uh, come the 53 man cuts well, you did mention, you know, there, there is again, the, the cuts you did mention, we might be talking about people that uh, perhaps won't be on the team. And I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I, I know that people have a soft spot for Luke Wilson. I always look, looked at him as a, a fairly mediocre tight end that did some nice things in some big moments. So you're always going to have a place in my heart, but I, I just, this is, this is not even one of the questions, but a side question that comes off of it. Um, what do you think? Luke Wilson actually make this squad or, or is he, is he on the short end? I, I bounce back and forth between Luke Wilson and Jacob Hollister because on one end, gosh, if we're going to sign a pass rusher, then that $3.2 million or whatever that Hollister set to make is the difference between Luke Wilson and Hollister that drastic that uh, you can't just throw Wilson on for the veteran minimum and and sign a, a guy who could be impact, impactful at the pass rush spot. So I would say that it's 50-50 between those two guys, though. I uh, got, yeah, man, there's a 10% chance of that, I suppose. But like, like I like, yeah, I, I do like Hollister a lot better. However, if you're framing it against like getting, you know, what I also like better is getting a pass rusher. So it's like, if we had to, if we had to send one shipping and, and we brought in, you know, if it's Clowney or somebody else, we, we, we bring in late, man, oh man, would that be, uh, I I'd do it in a heartbeat just because I 
that's that's where the need is, and obviously we have we have a good tight end room at this point. However, for me, I think Hollister is. I want I would want Hollister to stick. I think he brings yet a different dimension of tight end type that even Disley and Olsen are not, and that Wilson's just kind of a mediocre version of those dudes. Whereas Hollister is. He's a different type of tight end. And we talked about this, I think, last time, too. Why not let Hollister freaking go play fullback a little bit? Let, we'll just give the dude a hyper position. Let me go play fullback. He can do that. He can run up the gut and, and you know find a linebacker. I'm pretty damn sure of that. Yeah, if we're talking about would I like to see the Seahawks keep four tight ends and zero fullbacks versus three tight ends and one fullback, I, I'll take the four tight ends. See that we we've come together here. We've struck an accord. So I I like that as well. Well, 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 very cool. So I'll roll on to 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 question number two. And this this you know I was called a special edition of three in three out. So we just brought back P Rich. We were discussing you know before he came back when the whole Brit and P Rich are visiting and there was some discussion on you know do you want the guy back? And I was like actually like I really do not. But you framed it up really nicely and said, well, do you like him better than David Moore? And then I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I really do. I do like him quite a bit more than David Moore. I think he's more consistent, brings brings that, that burner level and just kind of that high point athleticism that I think David Moore often lacked. He would like get lost. He would get lost in midair, whereas P. Rich is a bit of an acrobat. We see him come up with some really incredible, very athletic catches throughout the year. And if he's running out there as our four, maybe three with, with Dorsett being hurt, you know, it's going to be, I, I came to the side of, you know what? I definitely welcome him back as a 28 year old with open arms. I hope he stays healthy. So the question though is, Will a Seahawks wide wide receiver not named Lockett or DK score more than four touchdowns? So Dorsett or Pierish, not in combination. So individually, will some other receiver, not a tight end, wide receiver, have more than four touchdowns? So can't do four and a half, five touchdowns or more, I suppose is the real question. Do you see that in the future for Dorsett or Pierich? You picked a good number there. I, I think since I'm probably going to be mostly optimistic on a lot of these, I think I'm going to say no uh, with this case because with most of the touchdowns, I think going to DK, Tyler, Greg Olson, Will Disley, if he's playing a full healthy season, I, I think it's going to be tough to have another receiver hit five receiving touchdowns. And I just want everybody to know I picked four for John Casey. I mean, obviously that's, you know, what goes without saying, <laughs> but, uh, and with not that, house though, money. Come on now. That's the the Hauschka Memorial after he just got cut from the bills. Bring bring him back. And I know we got Myers now. (laughs) No, don't bring him back. Don't bring him back. Don't bring him. Is he is he done? Is he done? Yeah, he can't he can't hit the long field goals anymore. Okay, we could just I mean he's kicking in Buffalo. I mean, it's like 30 degrees there constantly, you know. So maybe, maybe all right, but either way, we'll we'll stick with Myers. Uh, You know, so and I'm sticking with Casey because I I like that dude. But um, but either way, I'm I'm also a no here. It's like could I see Dorsett with three and P rich with four or two and four or some combination where those dudes are getting like, you know, six or seven touchdowns as a combination. Yeah. I can see that. Do I see any of them get those two guys getting five or other uh, Seahawks wide receivers getting five touchdowns? I, I don't, I don't either. And I, and I think Russ is in for, I know, I know the whole, you know, let Russ cook is happened to dominate this, uh, this off season and it keeps bubbling up. I think you and I have talked about this for two years running now. It's like, yeah, they're probably going to throw the ball a little bit more than last year, which is what we said last year when they didn't throw the ball too much in, in Schottenheimer's first year. And it was like, yeah, they'll probably throw a little more this year. I think they're going to probably throw a little more. And I think Russ's in line for, you know, all, all things pointing to a, a banger of a year, but I'm still a no on that one. I think, uh, 
There's tons of touchdowns to go around, but it just won't be that many to Dorsett, you know, or P. Rich, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, and just to give people an idea, too, historically, you go back to 2017 when P. Rich had his 700-yard season and was a big part of that Seahawks offense that year. It was six touchdowns, and then you look at a guy like Jerron Brown in 2018 where it seemed like all he did was catch touchdowns, had five touchdowns on 14 receptions. So there could be a guy who... You know, Russell just finds in the end zone routinely, despite not having a lot of targets or receptions. But the the likelihood of it being over four, I think, is low. Yeah, I think if it's going to be if there's a dude, another dude, it's going to be Disley or Olsen as as the other guy that 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 really picks up. I mean, we saw it with Disley. Disley was he, you know, Russ seems to really, really dig him in in the uh, in the red zone and the green zone, as they call it in fantasy. Um, yeah, man, I just I'm with you. I think. I'd be super happy if those do let's, let's put it this way. P rich goes out there and gets, Oh, I don't know, 480 yards and four touchdowns. And he's, he's a big, he's a, a key contributor on a team that's winning a lot of games. Yeah. I'd say sign me up right there. I'm, I'm super happy. Well, let's, let's bounce over to the defensive side because uh, you know, looking back at last year, we kind of sucked on defense. You know, we, we just, we weren't very good. And yes, once, uh, once Clowney got the, the abdominal injury, it was really tough. You know, we just, we couldn't contain the run, the edge, the edge was always bleeding. And I mean, if we look back at who we started on, on defensive backs last year, it's just, a, it's amazing. We won the amount of games we, we did win. However, there was, you know, there was a dude out there who I think showed out pretty well, probably outperformed a little bit. I'm going to say that's Rasheem green, Rasheem mm. green kind of showed that, that growth last year, what did he have? Did he end up with four and a half sacks for what was his, his total last year? Yeah, Green was the team leader in terms of sacks with four. So doing the quick math, can that dude basically 30% up himself there? So I'm going five and a half. Can Green come in and get five and a half plus sacks this year? So if he hits five and a half on the nose, the bet hits and over, of course. Can he make, that's a, it's not a huge leap, but what do you think? I mean, we, we added other folks. Is Green still going to get enough opportunities? And, and he's getting some more limited chances. Will his pressure percentage be high enough that he's going to, you know, be in the range of getting, you know, five and a half, six sacks? What do you think? Yeah, will he convert some of those pressures that he, that he may have had in previous seasons to actual sacks? Because, let's see, I'm going to be optimistic here because they really don't have anybody and say yes. But uh, I'm also... Uh, not uh, super hyped about this defensive line, Clint. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? We're sitting here. I was at a, uh, I drove down to a, a, a live fantasy football draft on Long Island last Sunday. Ton of fun. It's one that one I've been doing for like a decade and they do the big board and everything. And I drafted a bunch of Seahawks, which I'll, which I'll share with you in a bit, but it's also a, a IDP league. So you draft individual defensive players in that league and a sack is worth as much as a touchdown. So it's, it's important to get, to get your dudes. And, um, you know, I'm just going over like the, the best in the league, like Shaq Barrett, 19 and a half Chandler Jones. So I know, I know Adam will rail and rail and rail on Chandler Jones. To me, he's like the biggest gap of what a fantasy stud looks like and what, and what a football fan like Adam is like, this dude's not even that good of a player. You know, I think he had 19 sacks. It's like, Oh my gosh. Well, he's and like he, the Matt Ryan of, uh, of defensive stats. Yes. Yeah. Ex- exactly. Very, very much so. Right. The Raphael Palmero, if you will, the, comp- the great compiler, which I, which I liked Palmero, but, uh, but beautiful, beautiful, uh, sweet swing. But it was, it was depressing sitting there on Long Island, like going through this list of, of these, uh, these sack guys be like, can we get, can we get to like, and then the first, you know, who the first dude I saw on the list was who is a Seahawk. Uh, Mayoa probably. 
Yeah, well, yeah, Bruce Irvin. Or Bruce Irvin, eight, okay. Eight and a half. Eight and a half last year. I'm like, oh, at least we got that, dude. So so that, that'll that ro- roll us nicely into this next one. So we got we got Mayo. There's a lot of buzz about him. And then you got like Bruce Irvin just like, like jumping over, uh, you know, tackle dummies to show that he's still, he's still, you know, young, young and, and, and full of uh, pith and vigor there uh, throughout training camp. But what do you think who in your brain, they, they both come in. I, I got two questions here. Do they total, this is a two for one. Mm-hmm. Do they total Bruce and Mayo 12, 12 plus sacks? I think, you know, why I chose 12 and then of the two, uh, which dude has more. This is a hard question to answer based on not having preseason, Clinton. You're, you're just asking me to wing it. And <laughs> do they combine for 12 or more? I'm going to say not more than 12. What was the, what was the other component to this? And who's going to have more between the two? Who's going to have more? I'm going to say Mayo just barely. And what's, what's, the, what's the reason? What are, you, what are you feeling? Because I'm guessing, and you're making me guess. It's <laughs> <laughs> fair. I, I think with Bruce being in more of that Sam linebacker role, I don't think he's going to have quite the opportunity for sacks like he did. I don't think he's going to get to eight and a half like he did last season. So, uh, whereas I think Mayo is probably playing in a more traditional pass rush position that's going to give him those opportunities. And, you know, it kind of ties in with the Rasheem Green question in that do I think Green's going to show some improvement because the only information I have to go off of is they didn't sign Everson Griffin, who went to the Cowboys for $6 million. So they yeah. must think that Green has that capability to improve enough that they don't need to, to overpay bringing in Griffin to fill that spot. So, yeah, I will. I'll, I'll say I'm high on Green and higher on Mayo having more sacks than Bruce, but they're not going to make it over 12. All right. I thought like you gave at least you gave the progression there. We got to see within within the brain. I know I know these are these are tough to yeah, you know, we don't know. We don't have a, the, the Mama Cleo crystal ball in front of us. Uh, you know, for me, I think I'm with you I'm on the Mayo part. I, I think you framed it up exactly the way I was I was uh kind of looking at the question too, in the sense that I think Mayo is just gonna have more chances just to go do that one job, just go rush the passer. Second down, third down, whatever that is, just 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 go cause havoc. And we're getting lots of uh, you know great great uh, coach coach talk about uh, you know Mayo really really looking sharp and really just uh, looking like he fine tuned all those skills. And and maybe I'm drinking a little of the Kool Aid versus Bruce Irvin, who's probably who's who has been more consistent, and has just a better overall career certainly than Mayo is so far. But I think the the script does flip. But I'm also going to go with over 12. I, I think Bruce is still going to bring the pain and, and you know get six seven himself. And then Mayo are doing a bit more than that. I think the combination will be okay. I'm still with you in the sense that um, when when the news broke that Griffin was signed for six million dollars, I, I, I seriously my my heart sank a little bit when I was like, man, that was the prime dude for me. That sitting behind uh, you know behind Clowney, that was like, all right, if we don't get him, this guy's a great plan B, and he's a hell of a football player. You just get that strong 33 year old who just knows what to do day one. And for six million, I'm like, wow, the uh, the Cowboys are, are loading up on on some talent on that on that defensive line. So we'll see how this works out. But I like that there's change. We'll see how it works out for Seattle. But at least you know, going into this year, we seem to bring in like enough of these kind of like role players that I think we're going to manufacture kind of small ball our way to just more sacks this year. And I'm hopeful for that. Yeah, I think that's where I'm hopeful, and it's where I'm placing maybe my most hope in the offseason. 
Yeah, you know that that, and of course the uh, the, the glued together offensive line, right? So it's like it's funny. It's like the two big glaring holes, and uh, neither one was sort of addressed, and one was really. Uh, I guess they were both sort of addressed. So they're they, both sort of addressed. They're both, yeah, they both are still the the biggest holes. Which in this COVID season, with the the lack of continuity, I'm definitely concerned about what's going to happen when we go live uh, go live uh, versus the Falcons. But you know, at the same at the same time, we got we do have Russell Carrington Wilson, so he could he could gloss over a lot of uh, a lot of potential mistakes. Yeah, you said we weren't going to talk about Russell, but there it was. There, but, there was no, the we, Russell we, Wilson yeah, talk. We, we we mentioned Russell. We mentioned Russell. We don't we know we don't dive into. But but there are some others I do want to dive into here. So one for me is so okay. I'll get this is this is a pop quiz, not exactly a question. Who is the most hyped player in Seahawks camp right now? DJ Dallas by far. Oh, you know what? He's not even on my top two. However, however. Oh wait. All right. So are we talking about? Uh, well, DK Metcalf is the next Julio Jones. Is I'm thinking about the difference of their. The, the types of hype? Yeah. Hype type? <laughs> yeah, the, the hype type. Like, DJ Dallas is getting so much hype versus his actual time that he's going to be on the field. Right. In terms of the depth chart. Like, he may we may not see him rush more than three times this season. You know, it's yeah. almost like the John Ursua hype from last season, where he had a lot of hype in training camp, and we got one catch from him. In the and he almost so, and he almost he almost scored in that catch. Let's, he, let's, let's remind everybody that he he was about a you know half a butt away from from scoring on that play. Uh, and you know, uh, so Metcalf was definitely my probably my number two. Marquise Blair would be the other one. Blair Blair is Blair's the one where I, I was I was going towards. And that wasn't the question. That wouldn't be a real great question. Like who's got the most hype? However, the question that spawns from it is. How, you know, it's, it's, this is, I guess, partially how much of it are you believing in Blair? And the question is, will he start 12 or more games at nickel? So mm. we, this is assume he's healthy, assume there's a 16 game season. So don't, you know, don't worry about uh, injury and stuff like that. So when, uh, yeah, when the, the first nickel defender comes out, he's going to, that's going to be him. Yeah, exactly. Not, not, not that we start the game in nickel because we all know we'll be in some base. And, but once, but once we go to a nickel, you know, tw- 12 He's times, the, you know, yeah. is he, is he going to be the guy? Basically, basically, is he, is he going to be the guy all year? Another f- easy way to say it is, are you believing the Mark, the, uh, the, the Marquise Blair hype? Do you believe, do you, are you on that the hype train for Blair? I'm going to buy it because of an article I saw coming from Joe fan. And I will, I will trust his opinion on this one. I had him on the show recently and we talked specifically about hype and whether to buy in it or not buy into it. And so yeah. if he's saying buy into this hype with this player because of what I'm seeing. I, I'm going to go with Joe on this one. Yeah. You know, good, good facts, logic and reason there. Joe's Joe's a great follow out on Twitter and he's been a welcome addition since he came over from, from the dark side, right with the, the 49ers and uh, really get a lot of value from, uh, from checking him out. And that was, a, that was a good, a good episode that you had with him too. And I'm, I'm, I think I'm just full in on the Blair hype. I think I've just like, mixed up the Kool-Aid, passed it out to people that I don't even know, like drank three quarters, you know, three quarts of it. I'm mixing up more. Like I, it's, it's partly that I want to believe, you know, it's kind of uh, the David Duchovny of me. I'm like, and you know, I, I want to believe these things are real. Um, and I just think I saw enough flash last year, like enough of like just the, again, the dude who flies off the screen, the dude who comes in and brings his hat, the guy that like really is disruptive and just, and and jars balls loose, even though he might get burnt every now and again, he seemed to have like just a skill set that is just fast, you know, fast with, with the, with the nature for, for putting a lick on people. 
Now, the one piece I just don't know is how will that translate to the slot? I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure how that translates to nickel, but I think the athleticism is there. And if I'm going to look at any coaching staff in the whole league to get a dude ready for that spot, um, then I'm, I'm going to trust Carol and trust, trust this, uh, this whole defensive scheme to get this dude in position. So I'm in on Blair too. I was hyped about him last season. I want to be hyped about him this season now too. So I'm, I'm fired up for this. I know you got more questions, Clinton. What do you say? We take a break. We'll come back and hit on more of these coming up next. All right, welcome back, everybody, to three in, three out. We are we are just diving into these what I think are intriguing, almost like over under scenarios for our Seahawks this year. I'm Clinton Bonner. You can find me out on Twitter at Clinton Bon. Brandon, why don't you tell the good folks where they can find you as well? Yeah, on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. And uh, I, you know, I don't hype up the other show quite enough as I should, but uh, go along to SeahawkersPodcast.com/slash subscribe. And Adam and I have a show from last week where we gave our season expectations. And I think we're going to look at the 53-man roster coming up on this next show. Very nice. And, th- and that that show, the Seahawkers podcast, was uh, that was my first foray into podcasts. So, you know, a, a little Seahawks side quill. The summer after the Seahawks won the, uh, won the Lombardi, I'm mowing my lawn. I'm li- literally searching for, like, you know, just everybody's talking podcast. You got to listen to the podcast. And I just wasn't there yet. And um, they search, you know, Seahawks podcasts. And there was like maybe three, four five of them. And I selected yours because you guys had the best cover art, like <laughs> straight, straight up. I was like, that's a cool symbol. Anybody who puts that out, I could trust that they have some semblance of taste and, you know, art form clicked on it. And I, I was hooked ever since. So that's, that's, that's my origin story. So I'm a nice bit to of, know the cover art is, is good for something. Listen, that's how I buy my beer. That's how I buy my life insurance policies. I, I, I a lot for me goes on cover art, but, uh, but we're going to get back to the, the, the ins and outs and the overs for, for our Seahawks season coming up. We don't talk about the, the big guys all that much on three in three out. Again, we like to stay with the, the dudes that are kind of like the back in the day, the Al Woods of the team, you know, old firearm himself. However, I do want to, you know, we were talking about hype just before the break. We're talking about uh, DK Metcalf, you know, possibly being the most hyped. He's certainly up there, but this one is there's a dude with DK getting all the hype. I feel like Lockett is so like under the radar and, you know, as you know, I know where the hype is and I probably know where the, just the physical attributes are. However, straight up more touchdowns this year, DK or Lockett, who do you think takes that? Uh, let's look at this because Tyler hit double digits in 2018 with 10. In 2019, he had eight. And DK last year in his rookie season, off the top of your head, do you, do you know what he hit? I think he had seven or eight. Yeah, he had seven last year. Yeah. So and then Lockett's he had a good had playoff too. Beat every year. I'm, I'm going to say that Lockett continues to be his favorite, but I also think having Disley and uh, Olsen on the team could hurt the production in the red zone for DK. So I I'm going to say it's, it's still Tyler's going to be his number one. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm with you on this one too. And I, I put my money where my mouth was on this one that, that long Island uh, fantasy draft I was talking about had the chance to take, take either or took Lockett, uh, got him in the fourth round, by the way, I kept Russell Wilson from last year. So yes, I have Russ and I have Lockett. 
Might as well go down the whole gamut. It is an IDP league, so you can draft individual defensive players. Who do I take at safety? Yeah, I took Jamal Adams. And then for good measure, because I didn't pick a kicker to the very last pick, I got uh, I got Myers as, as our kicker, which maybe it's, how, maybe it's Hauschka in a couple of weeks. But I'm really... Really cheering for Meyer. So I did, I got four Seahawks on my team, which again, of course, is an homage to John Casey. I know that you're a smart fantasy player because you took a kicker last. That's yeah, of well course. Th- thank you. You got people taking a kicker like the ninth round. It's like, dude, what are you doing? But but I but that's okay. We digress. But I, I am with you on the Lockett thing here. I mean, Lockett also had yes, he had eight last year. He was also not the same dude once he had that freaky leg contusion you know that, that that bone bruise that almost cost him his leg apparently um and then he really didn't get back to full speed so much later in the year maybe week 16 17 and into the playoffs he was he was starting to look like like locket of the you know the earlier season but that dude was on absolute fire the first half of the year and it's also like you know as locket goes russ goes too so kind of feel like they're two peas in a pod of course russ elevates everybody he plays with but I do think that Lockett is, that's his go-to dude. And, uh, you know, I was, I was able to witness that amazing touchdown versus the Rams last year. Cause I was out, out, out of the clink with, uh, with flock to miss prime. Oh, yeah. And yeah, Kurt, you know, thank you. Thank you guys. You guys hooked us up with the tickets, but that was, you know, just seeing that kind of that again, that this kinship between those two dudes. And I, it sounds like DK is getting there with Russ. You know, he taught him how to swim. Isn't that very nice. Right. Yeah, Some cool. life. Yeah, very nice things. But for me, it's going to be, I think, at least one or two more years of Lockett being like the number one guy as Metcalf just progresses. I guess a side question would be, what do you think? Are they going to get to 1,000 yards apiece? This is the year that we finally see two guys with 1,000. And uh, I, I still think that Lockett's going to have the majority because he does. he is tied in with Russ in that way. I think he'll be his third down go-to guy, although I think it was DK last year based on the injuries who ended up being looked toward more on third down last year. But I, I think a healthy season from Lockett, he's going to be the guy that, that hits the majority uh, of the bigger numbers over over DK. Yeah, and, I, and I'm also a yes on that one, too. I think they both I think they both eclipse a thousand. I would not be shocked if they both eclipse nine touchdowns. You know, so if we're looking at that kind of season, mm. then then, you know, we know we're winning some and games. And we know Russ is cooking. Yeah, which is what which is what we expect. At least a little bit. More I mean, come last. on. If if John Freeze and Rick Meyer can combine to have two one thousand yard receivers, I feel right. like Russell Wilson can can do it with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I, 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 amen to that. I am with you hundred percent. So you know this this one's a little bit maybe more cerebral, but let's dive into it. This I'll just lay it out there. Will, will John Schneider make a mid season trade? What year hasn't he done a midseason trade? I wonder. I don't know. I'll say yes. This, this seems like, uh, yeah, that, definitely going to do it because we generally we see preseason trades after the fifty-three man or around the time of the fifty-three man roster cuts. But I do think that with kind of the jumbling of the rosters and teams trying to use the first couple weeks of the regular season, trying to feel players out for. Uh, what they would normally see in the preseason. I think we'll see more trades now after the first couple weeks and swapping, you know, whether it's sixth or conditional sevenths or that type of thing. If a conditional, if the trade of a conditional seventh wins me this bet, uh, this over, uh, Clinton, I'm, I'm going to take it. I like, I like it. I like the way you broke it down. And honestly, the, I was coming into this with the idea that he'll, I think he's still going to do something before the season starts along the defensive line. I think there's one more move to make 
whether or not it's Clowney or Snacks or, or, or a big name or not, I think he'll do something along that line. So I was actually leaning towards no until you said what you said, which is like, there's so many unknowns this year and people in the, uh, you know, player personnel, they just kind of won't know what they got and are they solid? And that's across the board, the entire NFL, right? Will they, will they know that they have a position locked up? They could count on that guy when the game's actually, you know, game's actually live and you probably won't figure that out. So week one, week two with some of these dudes. So I'm actually going to switch and say, you know what? You won me over. I think, you know, I, I think I'm on the yes train now. I think he's going to make a trade as well because there's going to be more disarray than normal year. It's a good call. Yeah. Is it going to be impactful in the terms of Clowney or Quandre Diggs or Jamal Adams? No, probably not to that level, but you know, maybe there's hey. a Justin Coleman deal in there somewhere. Justin Coleman was a hell of a, I take him right now. Hell of a nickel. So awesome. So I got two more to go. This next one ties back to our Disley and Olsen talk. And I think I actually, you know, floated this uh, last night. You, you had a couple of, couple of folks on and we were talking about that, the 12 personnel, which for those who don't, you know, are not familiar with it. I'm not too much of an X's and O's guy, but I know 12 personnel equates to two tight ends on the field that this much. I know given, given Disley, given Olsen, given Hollister, I think we were something like 14% last year, something around there yeah, in 12 like personnel. That. It was something in the, in the low, low to mid teens. Do we eclipse 20%? So one fifth of our offensive plays or more in 12 personnel in 2020. That's a big jump. It, it makes is. it tough to quite to go that high. But I also think that two tight ends, two receivers, one running back is going to be really the best grouping of Seahawks players that they can put out on the field at any given time. Gives them a little flexibility. I, you know what? I, I think I will say it's going to go over 20% because you have a healthy Olsen, a healthy Disley, DK, Tyler Lockett. I think I talked about this maybe with, with Joe Fan even a little bit uh, with regard to this formation. But, you know, Chris Carson at running back, this is your best personnel grouping. And I think they're going to want to try and see those players on the field as, as much as possible. Will it be the most popular? I don't think so. But I, I think it's going to get over 20%. Yeah, I like the logic there because, you know, it, we, we kind of kind of keep gravitating back towards fantasy football. It's like, well, that's the whole point of fantasy is you put your best dudes out there and and, you know, it, it's that's the, that's the whole thing. And in this case, like, yeah, if, if you were to just look at the entire roster and if you say, OK, Disley's healthy, right, just put him in the, the category of the Duke can play and he can play a full slate. Let's say by week three or by week four, he's healthy, stays healthy and he's at 100 percent. If you had to do like a fantasy draft of Seahawks players, is there another starting five that you could conceptualize that you'd want out there on offense besides DK, Lockett, Disley, Olsen, and Carson? Is there anybody who's even like, you know, fantasy is all about putting dudes in tiers. Is right. there anybody who's even like approaching that tier? Where you're like, oh yeah, no doubt that that person's as talented in that tier across our entire roster. If P. Rich can hit that 2017 season where, he was 700 yards, six touchdowns, then maybe that puts him ahead of one of the tight ends. But that's asking a lot for him to put together a full healthy season, too. So uh, he would be the one that I'd throw in there and even above a guy like Philip Dorsett because of what we've seen in him being in offenses with you know, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and not even getting to those Paul Richardson type numbers. So if I had to pick between Paul Richardson or Philip Dorsett, I'd, I'd lean toward Richardson. Yeah, I agree too. It's and and was, was that Manning or were we into the, the the luck era, right? So that was. Oh yeah, did I say Manning? But, I, I, yeah, I yeah, meant but, luck. 
you know. Yeah, but yeah, but even 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 I mean, Manning at that time of his career, right? Versus a, a, a healthy young Luck, and then go to go to Brady, where it's still. He's still, you know, chugging along, of course. And, and there's a lot of, there's some questions out there. Like, could Brady throw the deep ball when Dorsett was there? Maybe not. And hey, we'll see it this year, right? We give have me, the give best. me two years, Clinton, and I won't be able to tell you which one retired first between Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. <laughs> Just I'm telling you right now. Which is which is funny because it's true. And they they were really close to each other. But just but just remember, if they had to redo the uh the twenty twelve draft, luck would still be the first pick somehow. Right. Somehow. That's, that, yeah. Did did somebody redo a draft re- in this offseason and still take luck first? Uh, pr- probably, probably. It's probably it's, Andrew Benoit. Yeah, yeah, that that bastard. Yeah, for for sure. For sure. All right. So we're we're down to one. We got we got one more, and this is fun. You brought this up uh in about, about weeks ago. So let's lay it out there. John. Ursua. Does John Ursua have more than one catch for the Seattle Seahawks in 2020? More than one. More Gosh. than one. This is he, this is a test double, of your optimism right here. Does he at least double his productivity as a Seahawks wide receiver in 2020? What do we think? Does he make the team? Because he, he needs to get past Saturday. Although he could come Correct. back or he could hit the practice squad. You know what? I Just because I know it's going to bug the rest of the team at field goals that's so down on John Ursua. I'm going to say he triples his production Whoa. from last year, finishes the season with three catches. I am blown. Oh, trip three catches. And, and of, you know, considering how close he was last time to a touchdown, then he's probably going to score like a touchdown in three receptions. Just, you know, just carrying the logic forward is uh cause that's logic. Um, <laughs> Because he had I, I, .09 touchdowns <laughs> last season because, you know, just that, correct, the, correct. The, the difference of the glute uh, just, length. Just math. It's just, it's just math. You know, I, I don't make the rules. I just do the, do the calculations. Um, but I'm with you. I think I'm still on the Ursua, you know, is, is a, can play in the NFL train. And I think that if we give this dude a chance and let him, let him work the slot, I think we have a slot receiver there still. I think I saw enough. I know it's tough to see this year, but the dude comes in ultra jacked. That's what you get this, this offseason, right? It's just that dude looks better than ever. It's like, okay. Um, and you don't get much else. But, you know, last last preseason, there was hype, but I thought the hype was legitimate in the sense that he knew how to run roots. Like he would get open. He'd get, he'd find space. He would just sit down at the right moment. He had good hands. He's me, you know, so I think the dude actually can play. I do think he makes the roster. I do think he triples his productivity. So I'm a yes on that too. I I also want to see Ursua make it. I'm just I'm I'm on the the fan train of come on a dude from Hawaii that's drafted that late, you know, probably off of other other people's radar. I want him to to make it. I'd, I'd love to have that kind of you know just have that kind of change up kind of dude on the on the wide receiver squad. So I'm hopeful. I'm, I'm a yes on Ursua. I'd feel like a huge jerk to say that it was under one you know, and, and have say that he's going to have zero catches on a Seahawks uniform, but cause I guess you can't have 0.9 catches no matter how we, how we do the math. You just, you, you can't do Even that. So, so yeah. 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 Cause that would, that would mean he just does not make the squad, but, but I do, I do think he makes a squad. I think he's, I think he's the fifth guy at this point. And I guess that, that puts more right on that bubble. What do you think happens to more? Yeah. I was just going to say he would be the one that I would pick to potentially be outcome time for the 53 man roster. And a big reason for that would be his cap number. Essentially, you know, the, the Seahawks could have a little, they have all these guys on these restricted free agent tags, like Hollister, like David Moore, that, you know, after watching them savagely cut Joey hunt from the roster, uh, uh, 
then yeah. and and Brandon Jackson as well. Then to bring him back and and re-sign him to a minimum type deal, and then to have him get injured. I mean, that's uh, if they're willing to do that with those guys, then I could see them making the cuts to guys like Hollister and more, especially if it means that they are able to get a pass rusher in. Yeah, I, I agree. And I I, th- I think it's curtains from more. Wish the dude the best of luck. If he makes the 53, I'll cheer for him because he's a Seahawk. However, I have not been the biggest the biggest fan of him as a player. And I think Ursua brings a different thing. Just the same reason I want Hollister. I think he's a different type of tight end. I want that skill set. It's like compiling a bullpen You know, in, in baseball. You want dudes who can come in and do specialist stuff. And I think Ursua is... Different, more different than more versus more versus P. Rich versus Dorset. It's a lot of mores. That's a lot. <laughs> it's definitely at least a, a couple too many mores. Well, Brandon, that was it was a fun run through. I think we ran through nine questions. Plus, there was all these these tributaries we worked through as well. Uh, you know, any any burning ones on your brain? Things that you want to bring up or, or just top of mind stuff that you want to fire at me. No, Clinton, I, I think it's good. I'm glad we didn't get into any questions about, uh, you know, the number of touches that Patrick Carr might get here in mm. the uh, in the early season because it looked like that they've they've already released Patrick Carr ahead of this 53-man roster cut. So uh, I'm glad we at least avoided one potential disaster by going looking at the overs and unders with regard to him. Yes, and, and good good luck to the young man. Hope he hope he finds a home. Uh, just to, you don't gotta go home, but you but you can't stay here for him. So it, such is such is life in the NFL. Well, Brandon, I'm very fired up uh, for another season of three and three out. Really appreciate the the audience and the chance to do this. And uh, yeah, look forward to chatting with you every single week after after some big Seahawks W's. Absolutely, subscribe to this show sbnation.com/slash NFL podcast. Make sure you get these shows in your feed as soon as they come out. And I think with that, Clinton, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.